The biggest stories heading into the 2022 Masters are the player who looks like he will be playing and one of the biggest names in golf history who isn't playing, which means my next guest is the perfect person to have on to help us preview all of this. Bob Herrig, longtime ESPN writer and now author of the book Tiger and Phil Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. Bob, what is your reaction now that we are just a few hours from Tiger Woods' tea time? I will say that again. Tiger Woods' tea time 14 <laughs> months after what looked like a catastrophic, what was a catastrophic leg injury. Yeah, it really defies belief. I mean, uh, it, it's still hard to wrap your arms around the idea that Tiger is playing in the Masters and Phil is not. Uh, you know, Tiger, I mean, as recently as six weeks ago, really was sort of downplaying the idea of his comeback even, like talking like it was going to be a while, you know, that his rehab wasn't going as fast as he hoped. He was impatient. You know, he was doing everything they were asking. Uh, but, but to be able to play tour golf was going to be a while. And now here we are. I mean, clearly he was trying to downplay things a little bit. I think he wanted to lower expectations. Maybe didn't want to get people's hopes up. Maybe not even his own. But the fact that he has put in the effort to get here is really quite remarkable. And now, you know, we're talking about a golf course that's one of the toughest walks in golf. I mean, it's we're not talking about just some, you know, any Parkland flat golf course <laughs> that might be easy hard enough for him to deal with you know he's got to now deal with the undulating augusta national which is a tough walk even under the best of conditions i understand that it was very different circumstances but after the scandal a little over a decade ago that that rocked tiger woods as a as a figure he made his return to tournament golf at augusta so what why is it you think tiger feels so safe at a place that number one is a diabolical test for players. And number two, as you mentioned, is such a grueling physical uh, journey. Why does he feel so comfortable there? Yeah, I mean, it's it was, it was puzzling then, it's puzzling now. I mean, it's not the place you come back to without any amount of seasoning. You know, you, you, you want to ease your way into it. You might want to play another tournament, chip off some of the rust. Uh, you know, just get used to being inside the ropes again. Back then in 2010, it had been five months. Now it's been 17 months. You know, uh, I, you know, he played with his son in December in that event, the exhibition, and there were spectators there and TV. And, you know, so that gave him a little taste of it. But it's not the same as, as playing in a major championship with 30 or 40,000 people out there. And, uh, you know, Obviously, the difficult walk, all the shots count, unlike at the exhibition. So I just think, you know, he loves the place. It's clear that that he really wanted to be here. This is the 25th anniversary of his first Masters win in 97. He, um, I don't think he plays any other event this week. In other words, he wasn't going to rush back to play a regular tour event this week. It's because it's the Masters that he made the effort. And, you know, he's won it five times. He's He's contended, you know, six or seven other times, very comfortable. And let's be honest, you know, going forward, it'll be one of the places that he would have a chance to win still, you know, because he knows it so well. It is a nuanced golf course and experience means a lot. Yeah. Remember back in 2010, he was tied for fourth in, in a masters that Phil Mickelson ultimately won. We'll get to Phil in a second, help us set reasonable expectations for Tiger Woods because he is minus odds at bet online to make the cut 
which seems incredible, but he's only not made the cut one other time as a professional. It seems like if he's going to tee it up, he's going to be playing the weekend. But what are reasonable expectations for Tiger Woods? Do we even know them? Yeah, I think reasonable is to make the cut. I mean, that's a reasonable expectation to have. You know, he's it's only 91 players. The field is smaller than than most tournaments. There's a bunch of ex-past champions in the field, six amateurs in the field. There's, you know, there's 15, 20 players who probably are not competitive at this level. So now that kind of knocks the field down to 70 to 75 guys in the top 50 and ties make it. He doesn't really have to beat, beat that many guys to make the cut. So that's a reasonable expectation. Now, is he going to make the cut on the number or just barely? I don't know. I think he would. He has a chance to do better than that. Can he contend? I just now, now, now we're getting into territory that, to me, defies belief. But, of course, I didn't think he'd be here. So what do I know, right? I mean, I, I just think it doesn't make sense that he hasn't played and he can contend but he's Tiger Woods, and he's surprised us many times, and I think you're, you're foolish to completely rule out anything with him. Is there, I don't know, 3%, 5% of Tiger Woods that is relishing the fact that Phil isn't here? Probably. Probably so. Uh, you know, maybe more, maybe 10. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think Tiger wishes any ill will on Phil. Um, you know, I think they're past that point. Uh, you know, I think he genuinely was happy for him when he won the PGA championship last summer, but the issues that are hurting Phil right now, Tiger's clearly on the other side of, you know, like if you could give him truth serum, I would think Tiger would say that he's very, very upset with what Phil was doing and he doesn't agree with it. And, you know, he might even be, you know, defiant about it. Tiger clearly took the side of the PGA tour in that, in that flap. Phil was clearly looking out for other possibilities, you know, very lucrative ones. And in the process, got himself into a lot of trouble. You know, he's very disparaging of the PGA Tour. His, you know, his, his basically his canvas for the last 30 years where he has performed and, and, and built his legacy. Uh, so it was, it was upsetting to people. It was kind of shocking. Uh, Phil lost endorsers, endorsements over it. He's gone underground. You know, he hasn't talked. He made a statement on February 22nd. He hasn't played in two months. It's really, really sort of surprising how this has all evolved to this point. You know, he won the PGA last year and should be relishing in that win still as the oldest major champion, and he's not even here. Is, is Tiger taking some glee out of that? Probably not to the extent that he might have 15 or 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, I think back then he kind of – Liked it when, you know, when, when Phil was down, you know, he enjoyed that um, and, and vice versa. You know, Phil was going to take advantage of any, anything he had over Tiger as well. For, for those who are uninitiated in all of this, who maybe parachute into watching golf just for the major championships or even just for the Masters. I know some people who are like that with golf. Can you just offer a little bit of background of the genesis of this controversy with Phil Mickelson for those who missed it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a little complicated, but over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of rumblings about these rival golf leagues. And they've there, there's been one in particular that Greg Norman is now head of. He's the commissioner of. And they have a lot of money to throw around. They're backed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. They were throwing or at least reportedly throwing huge sums at players just to sign on and then offering them incentives. There would be tournaments with no cuts they'd get paid every week 
They don't have that in professional golf. There is no guaranteed money like there are in team sports. Everything you get on the field is earned. And some of the top players sort of wonder, well, why is that? Look at all the value I bring. You know, I might sell a bunch of tickets. I might help us with the TV rights. I might get people to tune in. But on Thursday, I have nothing. You know, and if I miss the cut, I get nothing. Not only do I get nothing, I have to pay my way there. You know, there's no clubhouse. Well, I shouldn't say that. They do have that at, at golf tournaments. But on baseball players, football players, basketball players on the road, all their expenses are paid, not golfers. They pay their own way. They pay for their own hotels. They have to pay their caddy. You know, they have trainers and people that help them. In other sports, all that's taken care of, not for these guys. And then they make far less. And so I get where Phil's coming from or a lot of people. You know, there's some, there's opportunities out there. Why not look at them? But I think it was just the way he went about it. There's this, the contra, there's controversy with the, with Live Golf League that Norman's part of, just um just because of the Saudi involvement. That's right. one aspect. All right, because of their regime and their human rights issues. But even if it wasn't them, let's say it was Bill Gates putting up the money, it would still be controversial. You know, the PGA Tour has done very well by these guys over the years. And the idea of a rival league or even helping that rival league is, is, is going to disrupt things. And, and that's what Phil did. And he's not the only one, but he's the one who, who took it on the most publicly. And now he's paying a huge price. I, I think, too, the inflammatory words that he used talking about the Saudi regime and their, their track record with human rights abuses, kidnapping journalists, their, their LGBTQ, um, and then all of that as, as essentially a leverage play, I think, right. struck people as, as pretty craven. Let's, let's pivot here to the, the tournament that we have this weekend as we finish up. Uh, we have to play a golf tournament, and, and whether Tiger is, is in contention or not, someone is going to win a green jacket on Sunday at, at the top guys like John Rahm, Justin Thomas, young dynamic players seem to be the headliners here. Mm -hmm. Who do you think of, of this group of, of top guys has the best chance to win a green jacket? I think a lot of them have a great chance. It's pretty wide open, frankly. I mean, there's nobody that stands out because we've, we seem seemingly have a lot of parody right now. Um, you know, John Rahm was number one in the world until two weeks ago, and he hasn't won since the U.S. Open. Mm. Scotty Scheffler just won three tournaments in the last seven weeks to move to number one. Before that, he hadn't won a tournament. He was the last guy in the U.S. Ryder Cup team last year. Now he's number one in the world. Uh, Colin Morikawa won a major last year, hasn't won this year. Patrick Cantley was the FedEx Cup champion, hasn't won yet this year. Uh, I happen to like Justin Thomas, who also hasn't won this year, but – Played pretty well a few weeks ago at the Valspar, missed a playoff by a shot. Had a great um, Saturday round at the Players' Championship when the weather was horrific a few weeks ago. That's the kind of player that I like. I mean, he's a great ball striker. He hits a lot of greens. The weather's not supposed to be great. You know, it's um, supposed to get a, some more rain. And then Thursday, Friday, it cools off a good bit. It's going to be cold on Saturday. It's not easy to play in that, and I think he's the type of guy that can handle it. If, if there are, you know, people out there like to lay a little money down on all of this, if they're looking for a, a profile of someone, what, what does it take this, the next four days, the profile of the, of that, that player, what will they have to do well in order to be there at the end? I think the biggest stat to look at at this tournament is greens and regulation. It usually doesn't equate in a regular tournament. Like a guy might 
hit 10 greens a day or nine. But of those, he makes a bunch of birdies and he scrambles really well on the other holes. Doesn't work quite as well here, you know, because if you're missing a lot of greens, it's almost inevitable you're going to make a lot of bogeys. So you hit a lot of greens, you give yourself a few chances to make birdies when you can, you get out with pars when you can, you hit the par fives and two and, and, and make easy two putt birdies. Now you're, now you're saying something. Tiger mastered that pretty well in, in 2019, hit a lot of greens. He wasn't flashy. You know, he, he, he didn't have the lowest number of putts by far, but he hit a lot of greens, which really helped. You know, so I, I like guys who are good at doing that. Bubba Watson is a kind of a out there guy. He hasn't played for played one for a while, but he's won the Masters twice. And he gets around here very nicely. You know, he was in contention when Tiger won a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So that, that type of player, I think, is who you're looking at. Guys who hit a lot of greens. Rory McIlroy is another name we haven't even mentioned. Yeah. Who should be in contention, really. But he's not hit enough greens here over the years. He's, too, he's almost been too aggressive. Needs to count, dial that back a little bit, take his pars, get the birdies where you can get them. And because obviously he's a great, great player, but those pins tempt him. And when you miss a green around here, you're you're really, really agonizing to make a par. The book is Tiger and Phil Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. Bob, thank you for coming on. Thanks a lot for having me. Be well.